Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about politics dictating July 4th and Tucker Carlson, has the FBI gone rogue, and election integrity and the Innocence Project. And I'll tell you, of course, why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country <clears throat> on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. One of the most memorable occasions of, of July 4th of 2020 was President Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore. Many of you, I'm sure, recall it. It was just magnificent. It was patriotic. It was, you know, the it lights up on the Mount Rushmore display and President Trump um, giving a, an enormously consequential speech in an era where many, many people are deeply concerned that Americans are losing our fundamental liberties. It was a truly, truly inspiring um, speech and inspiring venue and place. So. I think that memory and why so, what so many people remember about that, if they watched it or at, you know, live or in person or later, I think that is what has driven a decision by the National Park Service, which announced it has denied the South Dakota, the state of South Dakota's request for fireworks on July 4th over Mount Rushmore. I mean, think about that. This is Mount Rushmore. Everyone can see the glory of the American history, you know, right there carved in stone. And certainly the memory of President Trump's speech in July, um, July 4th of 2020 is, is, was seared in many people's memory. Just, just a really profound evening. So the Park Service has announced that they will not permit fireworks over July 4th. You know, it, it, the, the National Park Service has say over it because that is a national park. So no fireworks. Reasons given were objection to tribal, um, their tr tribal people in the area who don't like them, uh, risk of possible danger to employees of the Park Service. I mean, just stuff that aren't the real reason. And the reason I'm bringing this up today and just hope this is that I want to make the point, politics is permeating everything coming out of Washington. And I know that maybe you're thinking, well, that always happens, but I actually don't, I, I don't think it's ever been this extreme. The notion that the Park Service would use its power to stop the fireworks over July 4th is just a, uh, it, it just is indicative of, it is screams, we're going to have a major, major fundamental transformation of America. Can't have Americans thinking about how much they love freedom, love that July 4th celebration, love the era of the Trump presidency. That's one example, but this isn't just J July 4th, which I think is a very significant example. But many of you probably caught over the weekend the kind of, kind of little kerfuffle uh, between Tucker Carlson and members of the U.S. military. Tucker Carlson made some comments on his show, his very popular Fox News show, uh, related to military policy involving women and especially women who are pregnant uh, while they're serving the military. So one of the military officials took to uh, his Twitter account and did a Twitter video denouncing Tucker Carlson. I sent that to Matt the Wonderful, and if he actually has that ready, this will be another proof, if you needed it, of how wonderful Matt the Wonderful is, because I sent this to him very recently, but I think he has this little clip of this uh, military official. Drama TV. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what I call it. I'll apologize up front and tell you that I don't have cable news at home, I don't have it here in the office, and I don't watch a lot of drama TV. I understand some comments were made yesterday and I watched the clip that Mr. Carlson produced as he referred to pregnant women in the military. I'll remind everyone that his opinion, which he has a, a right to, is based off of actually zero days of service in the armed forces. Let me offer you my opinion. My opinion is based off of 28 years of actual service in the military, 28 years in the Marine Corps, in combat operations out at sea and in garrison. And so he was talking specifically about pregnant women in the armed forces today and how it makes us less, less lethal and less fit and less ready. Let me tell you where he's wrong. Those decisions were made by medical professionals, by commanders and our civilian leadership that allows for women to have more time with their children to recuperate, to get fit and ready, to take that time that's necessary that our medical professionals know is needed, which actually makes us a more lethal and ready and fit force ready to fight the wars of today and the wars of tomorrow. 
the bottom line is that we value women in our, in our armed forces. We value the, those that have served in the past and we value those that have served today. We value our families in the military. I wanna say God bless everyone that is serving today. God bless the women that are serving today. God bless the men and women that are serving today. God bless our country, our partners and our allies. Let's get back to work. Let's remember that those opinions were made by an individual who has never served a day in his life. Let's remember that's all about drama TV. God bless America, Semper Fidelis. Well, Semper Fidelis to you, buddy. You know what, I will tell you this, folks, a couple things I wanna hit on. This is not a segment about whether or not Tucker Carlson's comments were accurate. I I'm gonna guess I probably agree. He did, Tucker Carlson did say in the entire commentary related to this subject, he raised the point that in China, and we talked about this in the show last month sometime, the Chinese Ministry of Education has released a proposal last month, January, two months ago now, January, to cultivate, to work and focus and stress on cultivating more masculinity among males in China in education. They're encouraging schools, don't get all of this, you know, transgender stuff going, cultivate masculinity among males. They also talked about, he also, Tucker Carlson mentioned that the Chinese military buildup, and uh, so that, you know, China is not our friend. They are building up their military. They're stressing masculinity. And he raised the question, um, he, he, Tucker Carlson mentioned, uh, specially designed body armor for females, flight suit for pregnant women, um, and also updating hairstyle requirements. Uh, he didn't mention this, I don't think, but there was also a recent announcement in the military that they're going to have to change their standards, uh, the physical fitness standards, because too many women are failing the physical fitness requirements. Rather than saying, I wonder if women can handle this. And, and you know, if you listen to my show very much, folks, you understand, I want women to have equal access to education and careers, and, and I think women should serve in the military in positions where it makes sense, given their physical ability, their physical strength, etc. But the point of this first five is not about women in the military or not. The point is the military, just like National Park Service thought they ought to weigh in and decide you can't have fireworks in, over Mount Rushmore, you have the military, this military guy, and there were other people too, numerous military people weighed in with uh, tweets or comments, um, essentially saying, yeah, yeah, we love our women, uh, Tucker Carlson's out of line, blah, blah, blah. And actually, uh, some of them were, were quite forceful in what they had to say. Uh, women uh, lead most lethal units with character. They'll dominate our future battlefield. Uh, General Paul Funk, I agree. Thousands of women serve honorably every day around the globe. They're beacons of freedom. All these military people found time to weigh in on what Tucker Carlson said on a talk show. And fortunately, in my view, fortunately, Ted Cruz, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz from the great state of Texas, has said, what are you guys doing? What is it? Why is it your business in the military to be weighing in on talk show commentary? That gentleman we just saw in the clip at least acknowledged, of course, that Tucker Carlson has the right to an opinion. But what I want to get at is the first five, and this first five is this. There's too much politicization politicization, the taking sides, the pushing of politics in federal government, especially in places where there's simply no call for it, no reason for it, no right reason for it. So Ted Cruz weighed in, pointing out, for example, under he's saying, Ted Cruz, under Biden, the military is launching political attacks to intimidate Tucker Carlson and other civilians who criticize their policy decisions. Officials in uniform are being used for the campaign. I've demanded a meeting with the commander of the, of the USMC, United States Marine Corps, uh, to put a stop to it. So, you know, this whole, um, Ted Cruz has a tweet out about it. He makes a reference to a letter he sent, and he's saying if officials in uniform should not be used to be making political commentary, political policy, and criticizing talk show hosts. And you know, I have to say, this isn't about women in the military. I don't even have an opinion. I mean, some of, I do in many things, of course, but the idea of whether, particularly in the case now, of whether we have, we have uh, maternity uh, arm, armor for women to wear, you know, I'm sure people looked at it, and I'm sure they've gone back and forth. I'm sure, and I know, but I do know the military has been invaded and weakened by leftist kind of petri dish um, psychobabble that tries to go along with the LGBTQ agenda, tries to go along, and for a while we were actually compensating paying soldiers 
who wanted to have their transition surgery done because they are entered as one gender, wanted to become the other, and that was viewed as something that would, the military would pay for their transition surgery and care. That was a political issue I think the taxpayers, including Tucker Carlson, have a right to have an opinion on. But the ultimate thing is the military, especially the entire purpose of the military is to keep America safe from foreign enemies, is to show military strength, to be a strong military, to be a military out there capable of fighting our worst enemies and maintain the peace in the homeland by being strong around the world. And in an era when China is experiencing and announcing a major military buildup, a major push toward masculine, masculinity in their, in their school education systems, there ought to be, there is very legitimate concern by American citizens, including Tucker Carlson, hey, are, are we doing everything in our military the way we can? Do we recognize enemy number one in the world, China, is increasing their military, is strengthening their military, is making all sorts of aggressive noises around the world against America. And Tucker Carlson, as a talk show host, he's allowed to say, you know, actually, this sounds problematic. Are we really, is this really a wise idea to, uh, his commentary had to do with pregnant women uh, in combat. And you know, folks, I don't know what the right answer. I, I'd like to trust the military. I feel concerned about the military under President Biden. And frankly, I did under Obama as well because they saw it as just another avenue, another venue to push left-wing agenda items versus to have the goal to be the U.S. military, to be the strongest, best it can be, strongest in the world, capable of keeping America safe, capable of helping to bring and perpetuate more and more peace in the world. But again, this first five is about the idea that we have too much politicization, too much pushing of the left-wing Biden Democrat Party agenda through avenues in the in military and in the Park Service, literally pushing the agenda at the expense of doing their jobs, especially in the military. Ted Cruz pushing it. And actually, quickly, Ted Cruz cited uh, Department of Defense Directive the number, if you want it, 1344.10. Members of the military are not permitted to engage in partisan politics in their official capacities. He's basically saying, why don't you be quiet and uh, let civilians like Tucker Carlson have a talk show and you do your job and keep the military strong. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I want to talk about a couple of things. You know, I come to this show on Monday morning. I can just hardly wait to talk to you. I have to go through my uh, things I've read over the weekend, topics I have in mind, outlining points I want to make. It's very hard to decide when I get here. And I talk about mon uh, Monday's show. I rarely have guests on Monday's show. I make it my deep dive day because I want to be able to talk to you more directly and to have more of a, uh, just, just a focused discussion. I want to um, kind of hit on two big topics today um, on this show. One has to do with, uh, and I call it the FBI going rogue. I don't know if you read these stories, but I mentioned, just to kick off one of them, I mentioned a few weeks ago uh, that on the January 6th uh, incident at the U.S. Capitol, in which a variety of people, many people, stormed the Capitol, windows were broken, uh, violence occurred with inside the Capitol, threats of violence were actually more of the, um, more of the, the problem of the day. There was, there was window breaking and some violence, but threats of violence, fear on the part of lawmakers, and uh, much inquiry about why wasn't the Capitol more ready. This is a January 6th event at the Capitol. You, know, you may know Dr. Simone Gold. She's been on this show numerous times. She was at the Trump speech on January 6th and she had been asked to do a small piece of it or piece of the events that day. And she was giving uh, her remarks somewhere in Washington about the idea that we are in response to COVID, we are violating our civil liberties in America and in our COVID policies. She actually made her way over to the Capitol, did get inside the Capitol, did not climb in through a broken window. She walked into the doors, which many people have announced and pointed out Capitol Police were letting people in. She's just standing there in the lobby of the, uh, the beautiful you know, rotunda of the Capitol and continuing or making or repeating her remarks about civil liberty. Wasn't threatening anybody, wasn't breaking anything, but she was arrested. And I raised this story among others in this FBI gone rogue. She was the recipient of an FBI visit at her home in California with literally guns blazing, FBI at the door, broke down the door, uh, and you know they weren't even there to 
get anything. They weren't even there to, you know, search her. They, they were there to harass, intimidate, and make her feel afraid. This is the FBI. Now moving forward in this January 6th thing, the FBI sends a tank and an army literally to, to round up a Trump supporter. So, and I'm getting at this, is again, this politicization of the power of the presidency in Washington, D.C., what you have coming out of the Biden administration and the American left is they finally have absolute power in Washington, absolute power, Senate, House, White House, and they are flexing their muscles. And the American people better be awake and recognize what this symbolizes, what this signifies, what they're telling you about how that what they see their role is in controlling this country. So some guy who was at the Capitol um, on January 6th um, sent the, a, uh, I mean, literally tanks to someone's home. And this one was a, uh, an Iraq war veteran. Uh, he was ha actually been wounded in Iraq. And they showed up at his home with an armored vehicle with a turret. Showed up at his home, FBI. This is in the last week. Showed up at his home with an armored vehicle with a turret, two vans, six FBI vehicles, three local police vehicles to arrest this unarmed man who'd been at the Capitol on January 6th. I mean, obviously overkill is like a you know minor thing to call it. This is the FBI not just saying we're going to round up people we think may have broken a law on January 6th. We're going to treat you like a, an enemy of the state. We're going to treat you like someone worthy of, being a, of a, receiving a military attack on your home. This is a guy um, who's, you know, was actually had served America himself. Um, and there were pictures, that, I mean, literally, the, the lineup of vehicles, you would think that they were rounding up someone who was harboring, you know, um, a cartel full of, uh, you know, drug traffickers or a, or a, a militia unit. This is a guy in his home he, who was himself an Iraq war veteran. Uh, FBI showed up at his home to do all of this, um, and um, they had his wife, this guy's name is Joshua, I'm trying to look quickly for his last name, he was arrested and charged in connection with the events of January 6th. Um, and actually, after the arrest occurred, there had been a recommendation uh, by the probation office, and he was told that the prosecutors would not argue against bail. So it sounded like he's going to be arrested, but at least he would have his hearing before a judge, would not have bail. And, but somehow at the last minute, the prosecution decided to argue against it. My husband was in D.C. that day. Uh, the FBI said under oath they don't believe my husband was part of any violence. They have no proof he was involved in violence. But at, at the last minute, it turns out the, F, the uh, prosecutor did go ahead and, um, and, and seek bail and, uh, and support or oppose bail, not, not permit him to have bail, bail. And this is, the judge denied bail and gave this reason. While Joshua, this American citizen whose home was invaded by you know, an army, doesn't have a criminal background, he has strong ties to the community, is not believed to be a flight risk. All these things that should argue against, argue in favor of giving, letting him have bail. You know, pay bail and go back and then show up on your trial date. He doesn't have a criminal background. He has strong ties to the community. So he's got you know, family and friends, not believed to be a flight risk, may not have been violent that day, but he did have communications with members of Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers, I think they've mistyped them, Oath Keepers, after the six, which proves he has no remorse for the events of that day. Okay, the left spent the entire year of 2020 destroying American cities major cities around the country. This is a one-day event in Washington. There's no allegation this guy committed, committed violence, but because he was there, and every indicator about bail says that he should be given granted bail, but because he can continue talking to Oath Keepers, which, by the way, is, an, is a peaceful organization, has members very high up in it who are African-American, who are black, and so it's not a racist organization. And yet they decided, because he continued talking to them, which proves, therefore, he has no remorse for the events of that day. And so, anyway, I'm getting at the point that the FBI is not doing all of this of their own volition. A tone has been set in Washington. 
or even more precisely, a tone has been reinforced in Washington that the FBI is going to be used to do the political business of the Biden administration. Actually, even during the four years of the Trump administration, the FBI had and continued to operate mostly following the mindset of the Obama people who were still heading up, heading up various aspects of the FBI. You had, during the, during the Trump administration, you had the FBI engaging in the Mueller investigation, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, knowing from early on, knowing from actually October of 2016, that the entire Trump-Russia collusion farce was cooked up by Hillary Clinton, and yet the entire uh, Trump presidency, you have the FBI going along with an act like this is a very serious thing. Yeah, we think Trump might have somehow colluded with the Russians, and all along they knew because Brennan had told them that the, the Trump-Russia collusion thing was a smear campaign cooked up by Hillary Clinton. They all knew it, and the FBI continued to go after Trump for four years. So the FBI did not act at the behest of the then commander-in-chief, ignored his ignored even basic honesty and his administration. And now that Biden's in, the Democrats are back in power. You have the FBI going to Simone Gold's house, who didn't do anything wrong at the Capitol. You go, going to this guy's house, treating him like he was, as I say, like his home was, like he was harboring a militia about to unleash some violence, you know, who didn't, and had all the indicators that say, yeah, you should probably have given the guy bail. This guy treated that way. Uh, similar things happen to other people in this country. And um, also there was another retired army sergeant, Kenneth Harrelson, was arrested for attending the January 6th protests. Again, no evidence he committed anything violent. But because of this public way they went after him, his wife lost her job, husband's in jail. Now she's, now she's saying, can someone please help us? I'm telling these stories to say, people, it isn't just in a, in a um, isolated case, perhaps the FBI acted, is acting in a way that is questionable. The FBI appears to no longer be on the side of law and order, no, more, no longer be on the side of protecting the American citizen and protecting the rights of the American citizen. This rogue behavior showing up at people's homes who didn't commit violence on January 6th, were in Washington, but didn't commit violence, treating them as though they're the most alarming citizens in the country, uh, it's just very, very, very troubling. It's, again, the politicization of these entities in Washington. And we talked about this during the Obama years. We had the IRS politicized, using, inflicting tyranny, inflicting lawlessness on American citizens who are trying to form tea parties and other uh, tax, you know, tax protected groups, C3, C4. And the IRS was deciding, was using at the behest of the Obama administration, the power of the IRS to delay the certification of those groups to become active in raising money for their political cause. It's the weaponization, the politicization of our American government. It's very deeply alarming. And as we talked about in the show many times, I want to say it again. During the era of the Trump administration, when three plus years of relentless investigation was ongoing by the FBI, by lawyers at the DOJ, by FBI agents assisting, looking into every, under every rock, every corner, trying to find something that tied the Trump candidacy, the Trump campaign, or the Trump administration to Russia, and coming up with zip, zero, nada, nothing, finally having to tell the American people, after three and a half years and millions of dollars, actually no evidence of any kind that there was any Trump-Russia collusion. No, no one in that era, no one inside the FBI, none of those, whatever it was, I think it was 24 or 32 FBI agents who participated in all of that ongoing relentless assault on the Trump presidency, not one of them ever came forward and said, you know, and just, and just spoke the truth. No one came forward and said, you know what, there's something really, really wrong here 
in, in Washington. There's something really wrong with what the FBI is doing. There's no evidence of wrongdoing. This is a witch hunt. None of them, they went along with what their leaders told them, many of them probably right on board with the idea of what their leaders told them. But this is where, I, where I've been talking to you about how dangerous the Obama administration is. When you no longer have that sense of the rule of law, the separation of powers, the equal application of the laws in our country, you lose a, 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 an integral, vital part of freedom in America. When you have federal agencies more willing to do the bidding of the Obama administration, even after Obama's out, continuing to hassle the Trump administration, the Trump campaign, the Trump allies, continuing to hassle, accuse, question, depose. I, I mean, at some point, you're not watching the kind of institutions that we expect our country to have based on the Constitution, based on that structure, rule of law, and equal access to justice. This is among the reasons serious conservatives in our country are deeply, deeply concerned about what the Biden administration is doing in Washington. You have the Capitol still surrounded with barbed wire fence, looking like some third world dictator country. You have the FBI sending SWAT teams to arrest unarmed people, to scare them, to frighten, and all of their neighbors seeing this. Oh my gosh, who, who knew? Look what's happening over there at the Miller House. You know, they must really be uh, bad guys, who knew? This is a very dangerous thing that's happening in Washington, dangerous in part because you don't hear very many people, any people inside the FBI or DOJ standing up and saying, I'll resign, I'll lose my job over it, but I have to call this out. No one stands up, no one speaks up. Either everyone's on board with the Obama-Biden agenda or they're all too afraid to speak up. But these kinds of things are deeply alarming. The stories we used to hear, and it came out of very scary eras in world history where you had really dangerous communist takeovers of countries and knock on the door in the middle of the night or a massive number of troops show up and, and pull you out of your home. And all of us thought, well, that's so great that it never could happen here. Horrible is happening there. Great it will never happen here. But this is, this is getting dangerous, people, because you don't hear anyone calling out the FBI. You hear a few conservative pundits saying, wait a minute, what are these guys doing? If they had to arrest this guy, okay, you arrest him. And, and you know, you're going to charge him. But you, are your, the bail standards are not going to be followed because afterward he showed support for the Oath Keepers who themselves may or may not, some of them may or may not have committed violence on January 6th. This is just a... This is a weaponization of the law enforcement agencies, the law enforcement power of this country. We need to take it very, very, very seriously. Okay, uh, I want to, uh, on that, I had um, uh, th this last thing, I called it Election Integrity and the Innocence Project. And I wanna approach this topic very carefully. I wanna start first on election integrity. In this last election cycle, We've had on this show and any of you paying attention to what has happened in the 2020 elections realize that there was massive election fraud around this country. You had the election fraud of sending out or the you call it vote fraud, I guess, the sending out of massive numbers of mail in ballots unsolicited, excused by the covid crisis. But you had the massive sending out of mail-in ballots, unsolicited, numerous people, many people reporting on, on social media or online, you know, I got five mail-in ballots at my house. That was kind of weird. You know, I didn't even want one. You had the mail-in ballot scandal. You had the effort to create drop boxes all over creation by private entities and the drop the drop boxes to put in mail-in ballots, the, the separation of the ability to have who sent the ballot in uh, you know, who dropped it in the box versus who really filled it out. How do we know what voter it came from? And we had massive mail-in ballot fraud as, as just a premise compounded with how on the election night on November 3rd, when it appeared Trump was easily on his path to winning a second term, we had the vote counting stopped in the key six states or five or six states. And then you had massive mail-in ballot drops in those states. And all of a sudden, oh, who, lo and behold, who knew? Biden won. 
And so you had that aspect of it. You also had the failure and refusal of many jurisdictions to clean out their voter rolls. So you had dead people stay in the rolls, people who moved out of, out of state you know, 10 years ago, the voter rolls don't get cleaned up. And every time you try to have legislation that argues for cleaning the voter rolls, you pretty much can count on Democrat party, Democrat representative opposition to cleaning out the voter rolls. Always under the guise, oh, you might, you might mistakenly remove one person or, this is, or, or the, uh, the usual accusation, you're just trying to clean the voter rolls and it's some super secret surreptitious effort to try to commit uh, you know, racial injustice, to try to, to, try to uh, jeopardize black voters, which is always the thing they go to, to frighten everyone and also to, to explain and justify their refusal to stand up for the obviously necessary uh, uh, goal of having fair and accurate voter rolls. Yet all of that happening in 2020. But the big story of 2020, unrelated to that vote fraud, was electronic election fraud the flipping of votes, the flipping of votes electronically within the voting system in our country, the flipping of votes that resulted in the, the presentations by many people who understood what happened, trying to say that this was a massive component of election fraud in 2020. The actual shifting of vote totals electronically is like a hack. And so I want to mention a couple of things about hacks before I get to election integrity. What I'm really talking about here is election integrity legislation. Everyone knows that there's hacking of all sorts of computers are possible. I'll just give you a few examples. You may remember we talked last year about solar winds, solar winds. W-I-N-D-S. Solar Winds is a major U.S. information technology firm. They were a subject of a cyber attack that spread to his clients and went undetected for months and months and months. And that SolarWinds system, there was a malicious code. What ha Hackers broke in to Texas-based SolarWinds system sometime in early 2020, added a malicious code into the company's software system. This, so the company's software system is Orion, O-R-I-O-N. So somebody or somebody's believed to be Russia, um, hacked in, added malicious code to the company's software system, a company called Orion, widely used by companies to manage their IT resources. SolarWinds has 33,000 customers that use Orion. So SolarWinds, the technology firm, using Orion, the software system, and has literally 33,000 customers. And they have, for example, um, federal agencies who were harmed by this attack, the Pentagon, Department of Homeland Security, the State Department, Department of Energy, National, Se National Nuclear Security Administration, the Treasury, all were attacked by this hack. And the reason I'm mentioning that is to say everyone sentient, everyone awake understands that computer hacking is a real thing, that it actually happens. It happened in massive ways under solar winds. One other very big one, we could spend the rest of the week and next week talking about examples of major, major computer hacks that happened in America. Another one was Capital One in 2019. Capital One, the bank, they had a hack. Um, I think it was, no, 2017. It affected 147 million customers. 147 million. Capital One, a data breach. The breach was, um, actually, no, the breach was in March of 2019. The hackers got access to personal information related to credit card applications from 2005 to early 2019 for individuals, consumers, applicants, and small businesses. All sorts of personal information stolen by these hackers because of the Capital One breach. And you have to know a bank, a Capital One, a bank, would be dedicated to preventing hacks. They would, that would be one of your primary jobs. If you were creating the banking system, the computer system, or you're responsible for it for any bank in the country, that'd be your number one job. If you're creating their system to make it unhackable, impenetrable, make it safe 
but they couldn't do it with Capital One. I'm not blaming Capital One. I mean, I'm sure they, there are things they could have done better. I'm sure there are things they did do, they will do better. They paid a huge penalty for it. But the reason I'm saying that is this. Everyone sentient understands that computers can be hacked. So even in the 2020 election cycle, if you don't think that electronic election fraud occurred, you just think it was entirely false, you reject all of it, fine. Still, if you're the one creating election integrity legislation, especially in the red states, because the blue states don't care that much, but the red states, if you're the ones in red states creating election integrity legislation, why wouldn't you write into it the protection against gather all the good ideas you can from every cybersecurity person you can to say, here's how we're going to prevent electronic hacking of our voting machines. Here's how we're going to prevent electronic hacking in to the voting machines, to the tabulation software, to the votes, the data that's being held, the vote counts being held in those computers, in those voting machines, between early voting and voting day, election day. Why wouldn't you put everything in? And you might be saying, well, of course you would. I'm sure all these red state legislators are knocking themselves out, thinking of the most consequential, powerful, impactful, effective pieces, provisions they can stick in, all the election integrity laws that they are now writing, so we don't have any future attacks on election machines. You would think, well, of course they are. Why wouldn't they? But they're not. And that's why we're having this conversation. I'm involved with several groups trying to work in the great state of Texas and connecting with other people in other states also working on election integrity legislation. Plenty of people in the legislatures, Republicans mostly, are willing to put in provisions to toughen, you know, cleaning the voter rolls, limiting mail-in ballots. We're not going to mail them out willy-nilly. You know, making sure that dead people or people who moved away are not in the voter rolls. Maybe we're going to change the early voting period, shorten early voting. Uh, maybe we're going to have extra provisions related to the Secretary of State as to whether or not that person can uh, grant waivers of election law requirements. Maybe we're going to tighten voter ID. All of that is great. I'm in favor of all of it. But even here in the gray state of Texas, where you would think we would have the fire in our belly to protect the election system in Texas. We currently do not have concurrence among the Republican majority in the Texas House and Senate to say we are going to put electronic election fraud protection into the Texas election integrity bills of 2020. We don't have that. We don't have them saying that we're gonna to commit to preventing election fraud and electronic election fraud. And please understand, forget about if you think that there was, has never been one single hack ever in all of history into any election machine whatsoever. Say you completely reject all of the arguments that there has been electronic election fraud. I, I believe there has, but okay, fine. Say you don't believe that, you still know you still know what happened to Solar Winds. You still know what happened to Capital One. You still know what happened to countless other entities. I had a friend telling me yesterday that they did, just a, a you know a personal friend, a woman telling me her she and her husband had their uh, email accounts hacked. They had their bank accounts hacked. They they saw in the bank account hacked that whoever got into the bank account then got into my friend's mother-in-law's bank account, was trying to move money from the mother-in-law to my friend to transfer it out to whoever this hacker was. Hacking exists. It's a sad reality of modern life. And yet, I am aware in Texas that there is actually, even the most conservative organizations who say they're all on board to protect the integrity of the election, they will not fight to put in the electronic election, election uh, integrity provisions. And they've been written, they've been drafted, people know what they could put in. And part of the reason is, it's because the left has succeeded in mocking and ridiculing anyone who thinks that electronic election fraud occurred 
kind of give them that tinfoil hat label. So anyone who's saying, but I think there was electronic manipulation of the voter tabulation suffer, instantly you are labeled as a tinfoil hat person and you are then therefore ignored and laughed at. And even Republican elected officials who sit in positions of power in Texas and think tanks giving advice and lobbyists giving advice, all of them are sadly, to some degree, impacted by that left-wing mob mentality that tries to label anyone concerned about electronic manipulation, electronic hacking, tries to label all those people as tinfoil hatters. So they go along with the, you know, of course, yeah, we got clean voter rolls. Yeah, we got to limit mail-in ballots. Yeah, we got, I mean, all these things that are, you know, more kind of garden variety election integrity. But the real problem in 2020, the unique problem in 2020, was the electronic hacking. And I'm not saying it's the first time it occurred, but it's the first time it occurred at a national level, which then people became aware of. And you can't get the legislature in Texas, at least so far, to go along and say, yeah, we're going to foreclose this. We're going we're to prevent it through legislation now, through provisions in this electron, this election integrity bill that will say, you know, for example, example, preventing Wi-Fi access to voting machines where they're stored, where they sit, preventing Wi-Fi. There shouldn't even be a Wi-Fi connection between the, in the voting machines, in the voting tabulation software machines. Shouldn't even be Wi-Fi access. I mean, there are a list of very simple provisions but you can't get them sold because it's not the cool crowds telling them not to do it. The cool crowd is saying, you know, that you don't want to be way out there with those tinfoil hat people. Just stick with cleaning voter rolls, the things we all agree on. Let me tell you, people, that's about as smart as building a house and, you know, secure foundations in the house and a great roof and great siding, but saying we're not going to put a lock on the front door because we've never been robbed before. We're not going to have a lock on the front door because we haven't been robbed. And waiting till after someone breaks into your home and steals things and then saying, oh, you know what? We ought to put a lock on the front door. We need to be proactive, preemptive as conservatives and put legislation out there that in the same way you put a lock on your door, even if you've never been robbed, because you know robbery exists as a thing and someone might do it. So you put the lock on your front door, you put the provisions in the, in the election legislation that prevent electronic hacking of the voter machines. It's not, it is not a complex idea. It is not way out there. It's common sense 101. I ask you to think about this for a moment. Imagine if in 2020, there had been electronic hacking and it made Trump the winner. Imagine if electronic hacking had made Trump the winner and Biden the loser. What do you think will be happening in Congress and in the Democrat legislatures around this country to protect against future electronic election fraud? Please envision what the Democrats would do in every state in this country that they could get it through and in Washington pushing the very strictest provisions possible to prevent electronic election fraud. You know the Democrats will be out of their minds. The media will be on their side. The media will be drumming the story. The media will be pushing legislatures to put tough provisions in to prevent electronic election fraud if all the roles are reversed. But because the Republicans, not wanting to be not seen part of the cool crowd and not wanting to be uh, possibly labeled as someone who is out there being too extreme, there and even I'm talking about serious conservative organizations will not so far have not gotten behind this idea that in the legislation that's being passed in the red states, including Texas, you have to put something that prevents electronic vote manipulation. So far, can't get it there. Other provisions, I mean, who could be against any of the other provisions? But the fact is, unless you do this, and I'll point out what I've, I've been involved a little bit in this uh, in Texas, and I've been making this argument um, to the legislators, or through my connections to legislators, you know, if the election 2022 in Texas all of a sudden goes all dim and we lose the, the Republican majority, the conservative majority in the House and the Senate in Texas through fraud, so that we actually have electronic fraud of a massive scale here, 
even if you think it never happened before, if we lose an election in 2022 because of fraud, do you think the Democrats in charge are then going to put electronic election, uh, are they going to put anything in the law to prevent, again, to prevent electronic vote manipulation? Of course not. The chance to do it is now in Texas and every other red state where we have a, a Republican majority. Put this in the law now. Because if you can't wait, you can't get it in the law once you lose the majority in your state. It's too late then. It's like locking the door or installing the bolt lock after your house is already robbed. You've already lost everything. The time to do this is now, and I'm making these arguments in part to you because I really want to urge you, if you're in Texas, call your state rep, call your state senator, call other state reps and state senators you know, especially on the Republican side. Tell them you expect them to put in, in the election integrity legislation provisions that protect against electronic voter fraud, that protect the data and the data tabulation software in voting machines. It's not a hard ask to make. It is fundamental to having fair elections in America in the future. And, you know, I'll tell you something else. I've heard the argument here as well. It didn't happen here in Texas. We didn't have electronic election fraud in Texas, which I don't happen to agree with. But, okay, if you say you don't think you did. But those same people say, well, well they did have it in Wisconsin. They had it in Pennsylvania, and they had it, but not here. Okay, so you just said you know it's possible. You know it's possible that you can use hacking to change votes. So why wouldn't you prevent it from happening here? Be proactive. It's astonishing. I, I sent, you know, this whole um, reluctance, reticence of the Republican majority in Texas, other places, to take this bull by the horn, to be tough, is part of what has driven originally the creation of the Tea Party back in the Obama era. The Tea Party got started because they were concerned about Biden, I'm excuse me, about Obama and not wanting the fundamental transformation he has in mind, but also because many conservatives saw the Republican Party as weak in Washington. They never stand up, they never fight. The Tea Party got created in great part to inspire elected Republicans to fight. The same thing we're seeing now in Texas, you see the Republican majority not wanting to fight. And I sent Matt the wonderful, a, um, a little logo. This is a logo a friend of mine made who's been talking about the need to really uh, rebrand or re-push the Republican party as the party of, uh, of the Trump agenda. Not as the Trump party, not Trump personally, but the Trump fight and fire in his belly just stand up for the people. This is what is needed. And I sent Matt to one of us, like, yeah, two logos. Okay, so this, this is my friend created this. Our the old Republican Party, the GOP, Elephant, Grand Ole Party, which I like to point out, elephants move very slowly. They are bloated. They are fat. They are big. They are lumbering. And he's saying, we've got to make the old Republican Party into the new Republican Party, the Great America Party. And this is the, the idea of get the Republicans inspired to fight like the Democrats always fight on every issue, all the time, every issue. Change from the GOP to the GAP, the Great America Party. We want to make America great. We want to make America strong. And the change from an elephant, lumbering and slow, to the eagle, the symbol of freedom who flies freely, who is fast, who is sharp, who is incisive, who you know, swoops down and picks up what it's got to do. It is a great symbol. And I'm going to be pushing this. This, my friend, um, this is actually made by Frank Gaffney, who is a founder of Center for Security Policy. But uh, he made this. I saw him at a conference recently. and He showed me this and sent this to me. I love this symbolism. It doesn't mean changing. It doesn't mean making a new party. It means making the Republican Party what it was supposed to be, what it was supposed to be its founding. Take it to that level of be the fighter, be the great America party, be that that you were intended to be. I love, love that symbolism. So uh, that was my little um, uh, story about uh, election integrity. And then on the Innocence Project, I'll tell you very quickly in closing, I'll tell you this. So Sidney Powell, okay, before I get to Sidney Powell, you've heard the Innocence Project. This is one of the, and there are more than one project like this, but the Innocence Project is a stellar, beautiful idea, an organization and mission that goes around and finds people, helps people 
who have been wrongly accused, convicted, and are actually serving time in prison for crimes they did not commit. These relentless warriors, lawyers, researchers who fight for years to help get someone free who is in jail for a crime he or she did not commit. And I went to their website today, The Innocence Project. I sent Matt the one that was screenshot, just a portion of it. You can look at this page. You can go ahead and put it up, Matt. This page of The Innocence Project. And you could go page after page. Look at the, the guy at the top, Malcolm Alexander. I can't quite read from here. 38 years. Uh, George Allen, 30 years. These are American citizens who served time in prison for things they did not do. And many people ignored them. Once the crime was, you know, once the trial was over, the judge, the jury entered a guilty verdict, the judge sentenced them, and these people were sent off to prison, and they'd be there for the rest of their lives, suffering for something they didn't do because our justice system didn't get the facts right, didn't, maybe evidence was withheld, maybe evidence was newly discovered, maybe better DNA testing allowed them to prove innocence. I think the Innocence Project is so extraordinarily, uniquely American, that determination to get to truth and not tolerate injustice. I love the Innocence Project, and now I want to tell you what Sidney Powell said over the weekend. Sidney Powell, I don't know what show, she's on some show, but anyway, she made the point that she is continuing to push for having electronic, uh, the, uh, the manipulation of America's election in 2020, the electronic election fraud of 2020, finally to get that evidence before a court to look at the evidence. Because even though people say, oh, there have been 71 cases, 75 cases, they don't involve a judge, a finder of fact, looking at all of the evidence that exists. She is on a mission to say somebody in this country, some court has got to look at this and actually review all that is known, not dismiss it based on being uh, you know, premature or latches too late or no standing. Look at the evidence, look at it and find truth. And she actually made the comment that should this get all the way to the Supreme Court, a remedy that they could do, the court could do, is order, even this November, order a new election. When you see the fraud that was the election of 2020, order a new election. Now, people, I don't know if she'll be able to get a case to the Supreme Court. I don't know if she'll be able to get a court, a lower court, to look at the evidence. I don't know the path forward. But for all of you rolling your eyes and saying, oh, can we please drop this? Can we please stop? The election's over. We're done. For the same reasons, we don't let injustice stand on the Innocence Project. We continue pursuing truth. And just for one person, for one person wrongly accused, we and all of their family members and friends who suffered because they know their dad, brother, whoever it is, father, is wrongly accused and wrongly serving time. And those people are, they, you can't even make them whole after what occurs to them, but you still say we don't give up on justice, we don't give up on truth. For the same reason we don't do that in the Innocence Project, we can't do it on this election to have an examination of the electronic fraud that occurred and to allow the Supreme Court to look at it. And then you ask yourself, what is the remedy that the court should do? What if the court looks at it and says, you know what, actually now that we see all the evidence, yeah, the election was stolen, flat out stolen. Do you then, does the court just say, well, you know what, let's, uh, let's be sure this doesn't happen next time. Um, you know, come on states, let's put some legislation in place or should they, as Sidney Powell is alluding to, should they say, you know what? In the same way with fraud and all sorts of other wrongdoing, we right the wrong. In fraud cases where actual fraud was the basis for a contract, for a deal, the way the law works, they un because if fraud was created it, they undo the fraud. They don't let the effect of the fraud stand. It's the same thing with the election. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Sidney Powell can prove it. I don't know what the court would do. And I'm very aware how the Supreme Court has been punting on everything serious in front of it for a while now. So, but I will say, I, I deeply commend her insistence, her relentlessness, 
her clarity, her commitment to truth, commitment to the justice system to say, we're simply not going to let the fraud of 2020 stand without at least having a court look at all the evidence and then decide what should happen. And so, as I say, she followed the idea of the Supreme Court, which would be an equitable remedy. The Supreme Court has virtually endless equitable remedies potentially available. That would be one of them to say, you know what, we're gonna, this, this was so fraught with fraud, we got to have a do-over and we're going to do it. I don't know if that would happen, but I commend Sidney Powell for her bravery in saying that it should. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today, very first segment. We started politics dictating July 4th and Tucker. National Park Service banning fireworks over Mount Rushmore in 2021. Reasons given, objection of Native Americans, uh, fire hazard, inconvenience to staff. Not a coincidence, the site of Trump's patriotic July 3rd speech last year. And man, it was a barn burner wonderful evening. Tucker Carlson questions maternity flight suits and a Marine command launches personal Twitter attack against Carlson. Marine outburst violates decades of military tradition to stay out of political discourse. Marines, they have since, to be fair to them, they have since backtracked. The left politicizes everything, seeks to impose groupthink on everyone, <clears throat> but neither our military nor our federal government are supposed to weigh into politics. And our other topic we had today was FBI gone rogue, SWAT teams, 30 plus FBI agents deployed to arrest Roger Stone. I forgot to mention that one crazy one as a, and it was a, again, in his case, to pummel him for supporting Trump. Reportedly an armored vehicle with a turret, two vans, six FBI vehicles, and three local police vehicles used to arrest an Iraq war veteran who was in the Capitol on January 6th as part of Oath Keepers. Reportedly, a heavily armed FBI law enforcement personnel knocked down door of Dr. Simone Gold, also apparently in connection with her appearance at the Capitol on January 6th. All of this is happening at the same time. I didn't even get to this. There were protests over the weekend uh, in the, over the Breonna Taylor case, Breonna Taylor case, very some of them violent, some of them peaceful around the country. I'll have to get that another day. I didn't get that. Anyway. Um, all this happening at the same time the Biden administration is endorsing a crackdown on police tactics used in the Breonna Taylor case. I, I mean, the, the contrast, the FBI will knock down your door if you, you know, dare oppose it, the uh, Biden administration. But, you know, can I say he, he, the Biden team, or whoever's really thinking for them because it's not Biden, is saying we have to uh, have a crackdown on police tactics. Related nationwide rise this past weekend were not reported. I mean, you have to find it on the media to see it. Not reported by the Dems mainstream media. So we have FBI White House 2021 messages on law enforcement priorities and tactics sound political and biased. Did Americans vote for or otherwise endorse these? And no, the answer is no. Election Integrity and the Innocence Project. Texas and other states are starting to unveil legislative initiatives on election integrity. The left has apparently succeeded in mocking and intimidating into silence any elected official who would attempt to address the most fundamental and far-reaching problem, electronic hacking into voting machines and tabulation manipulation. No system of cleaning up voter rolls or new voter ID initiatives or any other initiative will matter if hacking vulnerabilities are not addressed. Waiting to address hacking is like waiting to install alarms until after a burglary occurs. Attorney Sidney Powell starting to make the case for ordering a new election due to fraud in 2020. She'll be massively mocked and derided again, but Americans love the Innocence Project, which stands for the idea it's never too late to correct an injustice. Powell is relentless and unwavering. Can she produce enough evidence without the aid of the FBI and the NSA? And I'll tell you one last point I was going to make and want to quickly make it now. The reason that a lot of people who are trying to push electronic election fraud could not get it out there was because none of the individuals doing the investigating, like Sidney Powell and many others, they aren't courts, they aren't judges, they're not the FBI, they're not the DA, so they can't issue subpoenas. They can't force discovery. Anyone and any expert doing the investigating and or Sidney Powell gathering evidence and talking to people, she can't, she as an individual private citizen 
cannot issue a subpoena. She can't demand records. She cannot get a hold of the information she needs. And the same is true of everybody else involved in the whole effort to uncover election fraud. They don't have the capacity that the courts and, and the judges have to issue subpoenas, which should be corrected, of course. Could you get one case in front of a judge to actually look at the evidence and actually decide if there's a basis to have a further investigation? And God bless Sidney Powell, she's not given up. Friends, I do this show, America Can We Talk, every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do it entirely out of love for this precious country. I do it out of the mission, desire to preserve America, to save America, to protect America and the precious ideas of our founding. America is the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. And it is deeply under siege by the radical left in this country deeply under siege, dangerously under siege. The American people are a good and noble people. It is our time to rise up as good and noble patriots and stand up for America, stand up for the freedom which we were guaranteed in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, stand up for the preservation of this extraordinary country. Now is the time to fight. Waiting much longer, it may be just too late. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk? I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can you America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear